Well, bless God. Are you ready? Are you as warm as what I am? It's kind of warm. We turn the heating down, so don't worry, you'll freeze in about 20 minutes. Uh, We've just turned the heating down a little bit. I just need to say this before I start, that whilst I've been sat in the worship this morning and encountering God and drawing on his presence, I've changed the title of my message. Is that okay? I just felt a challenge to change it, so I've changed it. The context doesn't change, but the title does. But let me ask you a question. How many of us in here are an internet generation? So you've used the internet. All right, it's, don't let me get too complicated. Can you just put your hand up if you've used the internet? Right? Okay, even if you've played Candy Crush or something else, you've used the internet, yeah? You've done something. The title of the message this morning is this. Marketplace Invasion. Terms and Conditions apply. Marketplace invasion, terms and conditions apply. Now, for all of you guys who stuck your hand up and said, I am an internet generation, when you go into something, there is a box that says this, you must agree to our terms and conditions before you go any further. Now, I don't know about you, I have not got my personal barrister or lawyer with me in those environments, and I have no intention of reading through the 35 pages of legal speech. So what do you do? You press agree or accept. Okay? This morning, as we come into this message, I say to you, terms and conditions apply, and you've already agreed. Is that all right? Firstly, let me just say, use that term, marketplace invasion, we are not talking about business this morning. In Luke, it tells you the story where Jesus says, and the children were in the marketplace, and we played a tune, but you did not dance. And we played a dirge, and you did not moan, or mourn. Well, you moan, but you don't mourn. In that environment, you wasn't able to respond to whatever was going on outside of these doors. You didn't know when it was a time to celebrate, and you didn't know when it was a time to mourn. The marketplace is anything outside of those doors. We understand? You can call it the world, call it your environment, put any title you want on it this morning, but I'm calling it the marketplace. Is that okay? Now, continuing from where we left off, we were using the whole series of adding to your faith. Is that right? We don't need to cover all of that ground again. But the... General context is this, that you may add to your faith something that will stop you being ineffective and unproductive in your walk. Hopefully, we're moving from one degree of glory, are we not? One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is this. It's from Romans 1, verse 11 and 12. And it's Paul speaking. He says this, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, you and I may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. That when Paul comes along, he says, Chris, when I meet you, we're going to have a conversation. You're going to sharpen me and I'm going to sharpen you. Well, see, we don't have many of them conversations. It's all right. We'll get there. That I bring something to you that makes you stronger. When we said before in the song, when you walk into the room, did things get better or worse when you turned up? If things get worse when you turned up, maybe you need to have a word for yourself. Maybe you just need some interpersonal skills. 
Maybe you need to take both feet out of your mouth before you say something. But it's the ability to be those who will carry life. Now, very quickly, Pastor Peter, when he was here, and he was here at the Agents of Change, he mentioned a phrase, the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. Did he not? And he talked about how we need the ability to be just as good in both fields, inside church and outside church. Is that all right? So we're not into blasphemy yet, are we? So it's no problem with us developing both sides of what I am, that I draw on the Spirit and he teaches me and he builds the Christ on the inside. Yes? But also when I go outside, Pastor Tony said it last week when he was preaching, maybe I need to learn some skills outside that I can't learn inside. Is that all right? And it wasn't blasphemy. We go out and maybe we learn to communicate and we learn to make a friend and we learn to use the internet and we learn to do different things. We find ourselves being valuable in both fields. In 1 Chronicles 12.2, it says this, and it's speaking of the Benjamites, and it says, they were armed with bows and were able to shoot arrows or to sling stones right-handed or left-handed. They were relatives of Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. There was a group of people that came along who were spiritually ambidextrous. Ambidextrous, that's the one, dyslexic. Ambidextrous. Right-handed or left-handed, they could still pull with the same strength. It's no good if you can turn around and say, well, I'm wonderful when it's around the world, but if I'm outside of that and I have to deal with somebody, I can't even talk to you. We need to be people who are right and left-handed in the spirit, amen? Is that fine? Right and left-handed, we're pulling through. Now, remember this. We have used the title, Marketplace Invasion. Now, are you ready for this? I said to Pastor Tony, I've got to try and keep my powder dry because I've read something over the last couple of months that has just been building inside of me, and hopefully it's going to build inside of you. We're not going to answer everything today, and it's not going to be built all today, but I'm going to be in a position of almost sowing seed and casting things out there this morning, and let's see what fish start to bite. Are you ready? Okay, Isaiah 32. Isaiah 32, starting at verse 1. See, a king will reign in righteousness, and rulers will rule with justice. And the people of God said... Let me just give you a context right there for a second when we're going to read the rest, but let's have that first verse. A king will rule in righteousness and rulers will rule with justice. We are not speaking about some millennium kingdom in a land far, far away. Okay. That's why I said this one might take a bit of work. We are not speaking of a land far, far away, that when Jesus turns up and reigns for a thousand years and the lion lays down with the lamb and you beat your plows into, your your spears into plowshares and all the stuff that goes on, we are not talking about that time because the rest of the scripture will give it context. We are talking as we walk into Jesus Christ, the kingdom king rules, you and I are to rule and reign with justice. When you walk into the room, what changes? Now, here's the next part. Are you ready? I'll tell you, I'm giddy now. I'm ready. Each one. How many? Each one. Are you in each one? Tell the person next to you, I'm in each one. He's talking to you. 
He's talking to you. Each one will be like a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the storm, like a stream of water in the desert and a shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. I said, each one will be like a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the storm, like a stream of water in the desert and a shadow of the great rock in a thirsty land. Then the eyes of those who see will no longer be closed. The ears of those who hear will listen. The fearful heart will know and understand and the stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. No longer will the fool be called noble, nor the scoundrel highly respected. For fools speak folly, their hearts are bent on evil. They practice ungodliness and spread error concerning the Lord. Do you realize that the biggest enemies at times that we have to the church are the ones who've been sat in it? For they go out and then misrepresent God. And they spread error concerning God. Oh, if God could do this, if God did that, and this is false, and that's false. You look at how many people attack, and not necessarily the person who doesn't believe in God. They're the ones who got disillusioned en route. Oh, it's all right. You might not have met them people. But they become disillusioned en route. But each will be a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the storm, a river in the desert. And like the shadow of a great rock in the land. Let me tell you something. It's called cornerstone principles. Do you remember when we said terms and conditions apply? You clicked agree. Yes? So we were ready for some terms and conditions. New creation realities. A new creation reality is this. Is that when I accepted Jesus Christ as my own personal savior, the old has gone the new has come. I am a brand new creation. I am called the son of the living God. He draws me to himself. I'm adopted in his family. He takes away condemnation. He takes away the penalty of death in my life. He brings me into something new. I'm glad you're here, Veronica. Did none of us remember being in that position, what it was like, the hope that you felt when you accepted Jesus Christ as your own personal saviour, when you remembered from the pit that you had been dug, all of this is a new creation reality that's meant to give us the hope that takes us and allows us to put one foot in front of the other on a daily basis. We remember the hope, we remember what we're called to, remember where we were, this is a new creation reality. God deals with your sin nature once and for all. He dealt with my sin nature through Jesus Christ. Amen? New creation realities and all that that encompasses. You'll, be, you'll spend the rest of your life walking through, looking into, delving into, finding the heart of God when it comes to new creation realities. But then there is the old you. The old you stands over here. He dealt with sin nature. I now have to deal with sin habit. So the habit that's in my life is what keeps causing me to trip over. I've learned a set of protocols. I know what comfort eating, just to feel better by putting some, somebody else down or whatever it is. I have part of my old nature which sits alien to the new. Is that right? And the battles that I have in life is when my old nature and new nature collide. 
but the new nature rules and reigns. But the Lazarus in me, that old nature, keeps wanting to have a kind of resurrection of its own on a daily basis. So I choose to put on righteousness, choosing the right thing. I choose to say yes to him and no to me. I acknowledge God in all situations that if I acknowledge God, I'm more likely not to get myself in trouble. If I stopped and made room for God before I do it, the chances are I won't do it. You know, when people that walk around with that bracelet, what would Jesus do? Now, sometimes it's just there that gives you that two seconds before you say something. You know that two seconds that you can never get back? Because once you've said it, you ain't getting it back. Once you've taken that action, I tell you, we're on a slippery slope, are we not? Do you know that whole thing that they say about disciplining kids? About disciplining kids, before you bring the right hand of fellowship to them, count to ten. And when you've counted to ten, it's amazing what happens in that gap of ten seconds. How you can go, you little, and you stop in. Next bit, Billy might have got the scruff of the neck and he's on the naughty step. But the hand of correction didn't move towards them. Is that right? So when I learn to acknowledge new creation realities, I have this old nature. But you go, but Phil, we've all got the old nature. What can we do about it? We're sinners saved by grace. We're being changed from one degree of glory to the next. I don't sin any more, Phil. I just try not to sin any less. We get involved in this circle that goes round and round and round, but yet we have a terms and conditions firewall. Do you know what that is? 2 Corinthians 5, sorry, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. Therefore, the weapons we fight with are no longer the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they are divine power to demolish strongholds, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. There's your firewall. You know, you've just ticked a box of terms and conditions that just said you no longer have an excuse. Phil, you don't know. I was hurt. I was used. I was abused. I was sexually abused as a kid. Nobody liked me. I was blamed for this. You can, by all right, hold on to all of that stuff. But then I hit the firewall. I must bring everything into obedience to the knowledge of Christ. Because it turns around and said, Veronica, you wasn't wanted. Hang on a minute. I've just called you a child of the living God. When I take hold of every argument and pretension that sets itself up against Christ, the new nature must rule. Oh, you better tell your face on this one. The new nature needs to rule. That when somebody tells me, they say, right, I am not trying to diminish your past. I am not belittling your past. We all came with a story. But is that story going to be the story that's the end of your life? Or do I come to the firewall that says, my God, you have given us the ability to walk into a new creation reality that says, I'm walking with you. I can hear you. I can see you. I can fellowship with you. I don't have to live in condemnation. I have got a friend. Even if what a friend I've got in Jesus, you're starting somewhere. All of these bits, I move towards new creation realities because it says everything that says no 
is made yes in him. And I have to take every lie, every philosophy, every part of my habit and bring it to where he is. Because my God, you said you have given us a weapon that's the most mightiest thing that gets pulled down, demolished, even a stronghold. See, we're not talking about a spiritual cold here. Some people have strongholds. You've been isolated from your family. You've been used. You've been abused, like we've said. Life has not been fair. There has been no justice. It seems to be all the way down the line that you've been had the mucky end of the stick all of your life. We don't need detail, do we? We know what we're talking about. But yeah, he said, even when that has become ingrained in you, even when it seems to have been the very foundation of your life, Because when you press somebody or shake them enough, they go back to that default setting. It's amazing. We can all say, oh, I love you with the love of the Lord, and it's all gone. Just learn to press the right button. And as soon as you press the right button, what's really inside comes to the surface. And he says, I am giving you this ability in Christ to break away from that, but not only you, you can lead others into this new creation reality and bring them into the light also. Okay. For you will be a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the storm, a river in the desert, and a shadow of a great rock in the land. Each one will be. Could be. Might be. We're talking to everybody apart from Julie. See, round there, see that. If you sit there and say, we're talking to everybody else, he's not. That Holy Ghost has to be able to encounter you this morning. We need a life that breaks free and stays free. I will oversimplify this morning. So please don't say, oh, Phil, you've not thought about it. There's all these different attributes. I know. I'm telling you now, disclaimer, I've oversimplified the statement that I'm going to make. In essence, there are four types of person who sit in church. Four types of person. And we'll keep it easy, okay? There are lots more we can build on this. We're just dealing with, we've boiled it down and we've got four left over. The first group of people that you'll find in church, believe it or not, are Christians. They've accepted Jesus Christ as their own personal savior. They're going to heaven, but they see the world and the marketplace as just somewhere I'm passing through to get somewhere else. I'm on transit to get to the great white throne, to get to where he is, to get me harp and me set of wings, and all that I'm going to do, and I'm part of the choir, and I've been watching them programs on telly of milk women or dinner ladies do choir. Whatever it is, you think somewhere I'm going to be part of some global choir in heaven, and all you see yourself is, is in almost a, a defeatist, acceptable mentality that says, we can't change anything, we don't do anything, we are just passing through. And do you know what? That was the gospel of the church for nearly 100 years. I'll fly away, O glory. Terms like, we are hanging on for Jesus to return. It's a philosophy that got built into the church where people are left with, as long as I'm saved, skin of the teeth, we're getting through. Christians. Then you have the second bunch. Then you have Christians with principles. 
Because you know the difference between a Christian with principles and a Christian when they go outside? One tries to apply biblical principles. So they have an element of honor, an element of integrity, that they have a value structure that they won't be pressed on. As Pastor Tony taught for years and built into us and established, that our areas like this are non-negotiable. So they have non-negotiable areas of their life. They still believe like the first group, but at least they stood there with a principle. And the difference that you will often find with the first group and the second group is language. Because it's amazing when you get around some Christians and they're talking, how many FD Jeffdies still come out? FD Jeffdies, and it's funny, it sounds like tongues, but I, I tell you, it's not. You'll see a different element that they're having a general conversation and part of what well, that old nature still builds itself into it and still comes out of the same flow. And it's not like, oh, I just tripped up. It's not like they're en route. It's part and parcel of what they are. Bits were just never really transformed. So you'll have people who want principles and the people that go, do you know the thing about that, Veronica? She's always nice. She's always polite. She's, oh, do you know what? She found a fiver and she handed it in at the shop. Oh, bless her. Principles that you feel, I don't want to step over this line because this is who I am and I'm not going to allow it to invade my culture. This is what I am now. So I'm not going to choose something else. I will do what's right. Second group. Third group. The third group of people that's had a Holy Ghost encounter and decided somewhere in the morning when they woke up, it works outside as well as it works inside. So they go out, they're saved, they know God, they've got integrity, they've got values, they've got honor, they've got principles set inside, but they go out and try and have a go. They'll try and bring Christ into those environments. Maybe they even wake up in the morning and say, God forbid, but God, if you ever put me in a situation this morning, God, I'm ready. I won't tell you what your faces are like at this moment because we seem to have more in group one and two than we have at three at this moment. But you're in that position that says, my God, I'm walking with you. And Lord, if you open a door, I'm looking for it. Yeah? God, if you open a door, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to speak. I'm ready to act. If you tell me to pray for somebody, it might be knees trembling. I might be falling over, but I'm going to give it a go. Group three. And then you have group four. Group four are spiritual nutcases in a good way. They are committed to not seeing the marketplace changed, but to see the marketplace and the world they live in transformed not many fours then (laughs) they believe that the gospel of the kingdom and that Christ can rule and reign and that we will rule with him and that we will be a people who will be a shelter a refuge a river in the desert that there will be a rock that's shadow of the rock that's in the land there are a group of people that think it doesn't just get affected it gets transformed when I turn up I said we'll be working on this one for a while, didn't I? It's a group of people who dare to believe and are arrested by the Holy Ghost that not only can he transform something, but I can be part and parcel of that process. Yeah. 
but still keep working. That I can be part and parcel of that process. That what I've got is that the legacy I can leave behind is not only a life of where I raised good kids and I had some principles and I had value system in my life, but where you went, things changed. It starts with your environment. The great thing I love about Finney was that he's that uh, great quote that came from him. He says, Mr. Finney, where does revival start? And he drew a circle on the floor and he says, it starts here. <coughs> revival starts where you are. Transformation starts where you are. New life realities start where you are. All the time, terms and conditions apply. Stop giving yourself an excuse of why it's not you and it can never be you. Why can't it be you? If he said that he needed you and he placed you in the body, it says that he placed you in the body as he felt fit. But everyone must play a part. You've got a part part to play. If you don't grow, you won't go. If you don't grow, you won't go. Pastor Tony said something last week. He was talking about Nehemiah. And when he talked about Nehemiah, he said the people came and he saw that they were in trouble and disgrace. Is that right? So where did Nehemiah go? He went to a people of trouble and disgrace. Did he not? You were here last week, weren't you? He went to the people. He saw them in that condition and their condition was changed because a man carried the word of God and brought it into their environment. They partnered with the man who had hope when they were hopeless and faithless themselves. Something started to happen in the lives of people when somebody carried life. It said of Wesley, it said, people come out to watch me burn. That wasn't meaning it's Guy Fawkes night and they're sticking him on the bonfire. He carried such a fire of God that people came to witness something and says, you're not like the other fruitcake I see down the street. There is something that you carry in this God life that caused me to be drawn to you. Nehemiah went to them. And Pastor Tony said last week, he said, I can't help believe, but as God is doing something and moving in the hearts of the Dream Center, we will move and be drawn towards people in trouble and in disgrace. And we all said amen. None of us said I'm volunteering and buying a ticket. We just said amen because it meant somebody else will do it. But I never said I was doing it. Okay, there's another tumbleweed. But then there is the flip side of that coin. The flip side of the coin works like this. That David was in the cave of Adullam. And in the cave of Adullam, they came to him in debt, in distress, and bitter of soul. Both got fixed. Whether they come to us or we go to them, we still need a solution and an answer. And you know what that solution is? Each one will be a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the storm, a river in the desert, a shadow of a great rock in the land. Each one will be. Each one will be. I'm glad to see you pulling on this this morning. Each one will be. He's talking to you. He's talking to me this morning. He's drawing something out. As we said, we need that ability, whether we go or they come, to have answers to people's problems. Yeah. 
And it's not always, sometimes the answer is a cup of tea and a sane conversation. Other times the answer is so big, it feels like it's going to take every resource, an ounce of grace that you've got. But when people come, we have the ability to see them fixed in Christ. We build and we shape. I asked myself this question a while ago. When doing the whole thing of looking at um, the elementary truths, one of the questions I asked myself was this. Who gets the soul winner's crown? The question was, who will get a soul winner's crown? And then instantly you go like that. Well, I was talking to David one day. I said, David, you look like a man down deep in sin. You just repented. And over this process, David said after me, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, leave me to it. Yeah, yeah, I put it all behind me. Yeah, David. Ah. Evan's rejoicing. You are now a child of the living God. Now's the start of your journey. Let's walk through. Did I get the crown from leading him to the Lord? A soul winner's crown. Or did Carol get the soul winner's crown? Because she's the one who's been sowing the seed in him for the last three years. Telling him about Christ, how his life can turn around. Or was it Tony who met him at the bus stop and brought the word of life to him and said, you do realize... I don't know your name, but do you know what? I really believe that God says he loves you and his heart's towards you. Where is that crown? They're all part of the same process. One sows, another waters, but God gives the increase. The soul winner's crown. You always think, if I'm not the one who gets somebody over the line, it's not me. But yet, if you're going to be a shelter, a refuge... A, a river in the desert and a shadow of that rock, you are all part of that process. But if you withdraw your grace, you withdraw what you are and say, I'm not going to be part of the chain, things fall over left, right and center because God is waiting for you to take your stand without excuse. Phil, I don't know the word like you. Can let you into a little secret. I don't know it that well. But guess how I know it, knew it better than you? I read it. Now, that might be an element of major revelation coming to you. I don't know what's in this. Well, if you open the cover and start to read, and you pray to the same Holy Ghost that I pray, say, my God, your promise to me was that you will lead me into all truth, that wisdom and revelation are my portion. Guess what? If I stay in there, I might get something out of it. Do you know what he said of of the likes of David Beckham? Instead of David Beckham, they said, how lucky he is when he played football. How he used to be able to get that cross in and he scored that wonderful free kick. He ain't half lucky. And he said, it's amazing how lucky I get the more practice I put in. If you want to walk with God and say, oh my God, I want a word of knowledge. You better find yourself in the presence. All the time we make excuses why it can't be us. He said, each one will be. Now you go back to heaven and you tell him why he's not talking to you. Because your new creation reality said, you have no excuse. Well, you see, you were talking to everybody. You weren't talking to me because I've not been here that long. And I don't know that many people's names. And some of them African names are really long, so I can't pray. Whatever it is, you find a reason to go back to the throne room and tell him why he's not talking to you. Sure, just like that tumbleweed, just pass here a minute, hang on. Each one will be a shelter, a refuge, a stream in the desert. 
and a shadow of the rock in the land. Amen. We are drawing and I believe pressing into the very heart of the Father. It tells us this in Isaiah 25 and verse 4. You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in their distress, a shelter from the storm and shade from the heat. For the breath of the, ro- of the roofless is like a storm driving against a wall. That is the heart of God. And in that heart, when Isaiah is speaking about his character, look how much of that is then reflected back as God turns the tables and says, now you will be. Think of context again. We're singing this morning. When you walked into the room, you changed me. So he says, right, you walked in, you had an encounter with me that enabled you to change. Now guess what? You walk into somebody else's room carrying me and cause them to walk into the same light, life, revelation, and understanding that you have. See, we're still not getting this, are we? There are no excuses. You carry something, but all the time we diminish ourselves and pull back because we always think, how can he use little old me? Because each one will be. It might not be on day one, but do you know what? Do you know what's the best thing you'll ever see? Somebody who's had a power encounter with God for the first time, accepted Jesus Christ as their own personal savior, and they go off like a whipping top. They tell the world that Jesus is the best thing since sliced bread. They don't know a verse. They've never prayed. They don't know anything, but outside they go, once I was blind, but now I can see. And we go, well, I, I'm sorry, but I've not done the full authentic sonship course yet. And when Pastor Tony stands me at the front and I pass down the line, shaking his hand for the photographs on the way by, then I might be able to share my testimony with somebody else. Each one will be. He rules in righteousness, you rule in justice. We're not going to get into it because I could be drawn down this line very, very simply. But in that first line, see a king will reign in righteousness and rulers will rule in justice. Is dominion right in the first element? Because people turn around and say, well, there is no dominion. And we have to wait. Hang on a minute. We've already read the context. The context can't be talking about a millennial kingdom because people are still like a bag of broken biscuits. So he's speaking into a present culture. And he says, I reign and you rule. You don't like that one, do you? We didn't suddenly all became mad kingdom nutcases. We're pushing things to the extreme. We are talking about God saying, I give you the ability and the authority to speak on my behalf. As you walk with me, you are able to declare what my heart is saying. So we speak prophetically into things that will not move and we see them move. We see hands laid on the sick and we see them recover. We see hopeless situations turned around because we are changers of environments. If you can change your environment, you can change any environment. Because I need to let you know, you are the worst and most stubborn person you will ever find. You are the most faithless. You are the worst sinner. You are the dirtiest dog you will ever see today. Thanks. Well, that's a word of encouragement anyway. <laughs> 
If you realize that God can change you with all of your flaws, he can change anybody. Because you rejected the word for so long. You were the one who sat in the filth for so long. I was like one of those people, like a dog going back to its vomit so many times. That was me. Now, if God can transform me and I can see new creation realities worked out in my life, if that can be outworked in me, it can be outworked in anybody. But he's got a piercing and a tattoo. He's going to be harder than me. We look at this whole exterior of people. But what does the scripture say? But God looks at the heart. And some of us have a vile and wicked heart on the inside. Oh, we're all prim and proper and we're in church on Sunday and we've got our best suit on and we've got shiny uh, shoes. But do you know what? You stink on the inside. And there is people that looks like the worst goth and they're sat there on a wall and they've got no hope. But inside, God sees the heart and he sees that they're open to draw on him and they want to know him and he wants to move from where they are. But who does it need? It needs the man and the woman who will be a shelter, a refuge, a river and a shadow in a land. But it can't be. It can't be me. Why can't it be you? Each one will be. And I've got this kind of sick sense of humor that says each one will be kicking and screaming if need be. Because God says, if this is my body and you're working that way, I have a mad condition. My mad condition, apart from my mad condition, is that I have an element of my body that doesn't work properly. It ceases to function in the way it's supposed to function. So do you know what they do? They give it drugs which forces it to do what it needs to do. So it now performs because of drugs in the background going, you will do what you're supposed to do. And God says, okay, I placed each one in the body as I seek fit. Now, Eric, if I need a pointy stick to get you to do what you're supposed to do, just letting you know from heaven's throne room, I'll bring a pointy stick. But hopefully, when I call all my body into order, you'll function because you're supposed to be functioned and you're destined and designed to function. See, we say thank you, God, till it's us with a pointy stick. Yeah? A shelter from the wind. I was reminded of the scripture where Jesus looked on the city and he saw a people who were harassed, a people who were helpless, a sheep without a shepherd. You know that whole thing, have you ever seen somebody, we was quite blessed, that when I worked in central Manchester, we had quite a high building. And when you see some of those days when the wind really picks up in downtown Manchester, you see somebody having a bit of fun trying to get across the road while the wind's blowing. I see you're not as sick as me. Dawn is, we're all right. And the wind's blowing, how exhausted can you get very quickly fighting against the wind? Do you know what this says about if you um, win a world record in sprinting, they have to take into account, was the wind for you or was the wind against you? If the wind was behind you by a certain degree, then it is not a world record because you were wind-assisted. But yet, when you're in life and that wind's against you, you see some people and they just seem to be, whichever way they go, they look battered. They look like a wrung-out dog. They look like a rat that's been chucked out in the rain. Just wherever they go, it seems to be unbuffeted one way and buffeted the next. 
Now, thank God for Ruby, because we get an illustration. <laughs> At the moment, we are going through the saga of the three little pigs. So you've never read the three little pigs, right? The saga of the three little pigs. When the three little pigs leave home and they go and meet dwellings of their own, and a wolf comes along and goes, little pig, little pig, won't you let me in? Not by the hair of my chinny chin chin, I will not let you in. So then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. So he blows in the house of straw and he blows in the house of sticks until they come to a people who are established and built with foundations. The wind still comes but you're still standing. So many people in life have gone, grab anything they can, anything off any shelf to build a life. We do a quick rush job in thinking it's going to get us through. But as soon as the situations of life come and press them, they fall like everybody else. And there is a wolf that's looking to take them out. But we have a house that's established on the rock. Amen. Even when you go to the wonderful sites of, as we have it, the northern Vegas, Blackpool for the day, you decide to sit on the beach, the wind starts blowing, and along come the crisp packets and old used cans blowing by. What can you buy from the man at the front? A windbreak. Candy floss. Well, <laughs> chips. Pie. Happy hour, two for a five. Oh, there we go. In all of this, you buy a windbreak, which enables that even though you're in the open, when that wind comes, you are sheltered and taken away. You're buffeted from the wind. You have that element of a protection. We are a people whose lives are being buffeted. They're harassed. They're being pushed from once, one way to the other. Can step into their environment and shelter them from that wind. And it gives you that moment of sanity and clarity to speak about the life that you know. We step in when other people's, what did Pastor Tony say? Those in trouble and those disgrace. Without grace, a people is going to come our way. And when they're being buffeted from every direction, you can step in and suddenly the wind stops. Might only be till you step back out again, but when you step in, you calm the storm. We are change of environments. Not four of us are. A refuge from the storm. We all know the, ter the, the term, don't we? Any port. Even Paul wrote in Acts, and we looked for a harbor where we could stay and be protected from the storms over the winter. Any port in a storm. You do realize when you look for any port in a storm, most of the time, you choose the wrong one. Because then I find Job's friends. I find the people that can't help me, and I don't find counsel from the living God. I just kind of think, he must know more than I know, and I jump in. And when I jump in, and they don't know more than I know, I'm actually left worse off than I was before. Have we all been there? Have we been there when people's tried to help you and actually left you in a worse case than what you was before? You're more confused. You seem more helpless. You kind of think, do you know what? I came to somebody because it was down a five and now I seem to be down 15 quid and I don't know where it's gone. Whatever way it is, you feel like somebody spiritually or emotionally or something pulled your pants down. 
You don't know. It seemed like any port in a storm, you don't know where to go and you jump in and you jump out. We are those who have the ability, as we said, to speak to storms. Pastor Tony said something a long, long time ago, and it goes to, I use this term with Kevin a lot. I say, Kev, stick this down as something to be remembered. And it was something to be remembered. And that was, when a man loses perspective, nothing makes sense. So when someone's being buffeted and the storms of life are coming and they seem helpless and harassed and not knowing what to do, not only do you step in and are being a windbreak, but also you bring that word of life. And that word of life causes environments to change. I said, you miserable bunch, that that word of life causes environments to change, starting with yours. I now know... I now know why I like Guatemala. I, I always say something. If, if Tony says anything in, about the world, I always say, Viva the Guatemalan Republic. And then I read this. So I'm going to read this to you. Has anybody ever heard of a place called Al Malonga? Well, that's good. I'll read you about Al Malonga. Are you ready? Please do me a favor. Just get your excited gene working just for a minute and your faith gene. Just give me something to work with. Okay. Almalonga in Guatemala. This is a town of 20,000 people and is drought-plagued, pit of poverty, demon worship, and alcoholism for over 400 years. And they said of this place that nothing good will grow. Okay, so we're all right. We're on good footing here, aren't we? We all come with a story. When the Spanish conquistadors arrived, they announced they were going to build a nice church for the villagers. But the stubborn natives insisted they weren't giving up the worship of their demon god, Mashimon. So the great conquistadors decided they'd make a deal. And the deal was this. They would build a church and they would put Mashimon in it. But they would change his name and call him Saint Simon. So they took the idol and changed its name. Okay. Spiritually, this sealed the fate of that hapless village till today. Almalonga became the basket case of the region. Crops wilted if they grew at all. Alcohol, petty crime, disease and despair ruled the town. In the 80s, the government had to build four new jails to cover the crime. Yet on a Saturday night, there we still have to rent buses to haul the overflow to jails in other towns. Well, that's why we like Guatemala. Finally, some Christians in the area decided to get busy. With prayer and fashion, they Persisted God, they came into the town and began to preach a different gospel. Mashimo's power was shattered and the people began to reach out to Christ. By the year 2000, Almalonga was perhaps the most thoroughly Christian place on the planet. With 95 to 98% 
soundly converted saints. Now the town's 30 booming bars are down to a struggling three. You like this one, ladies? Wife beating is pretty much now been eradicated. All four jails have been padlocked and closed. The sheriff shrugs his shoulders and explains there is no crime. Businesses have corny names like the Garden of Eden Cafe or Hallelujah Laundry. Ready smiles have displaced the groom. The, gro the gloom, not the groom. The old church has shut down because they can't find a Catholic priest to come back. New churches are hopping, literally. Whenever they hold services, you will see the almost entire 20,000 inhabitants of the town coming together to sing praises, dancing, waving banners and making their exclamation of the king. Okay, we've all heard revival stories. That's the heading. But today's rival, uh, revivals are turning into transformations. When the town repented and surrendered to God, let's see if anybody remembers, spiritually got your ears turned on, an underground spring broke out and drenched the parched soil right up to the city limits. As you approach, you drive through Almalonga, the foliage changes from brown to green back to brown as you pass out of the city limits. They're producing up to three crops a year the gourmet vegetables are large and are huge. A highly respected researcher, George Otis, has produced a stunning video that has footage of him with the produce, including carrots that are bigger than your forearm. In a place where nothing can grow. Oh, in a place where an artesian well broke out. Orders are pouring in, even from the outside of Guatemala. Literacy, literacy has shot up as people cobbled to, uh, struggled to cope with the paperwork, money and success that was coming. Some farmers have even bought brand new Mercedes trucks cash just to cover the needs that were wanted. Almalonga is now famous as the garden spot of Guatemala. God has such things in place for us. When the film Transformation was made... There were four miraculously transformed cities in the world. We are now tracking 300. Wow. We are now tracking 300 cities of transformation. Why not here? Why not now? Why not in that place where they said nothing good will grow? Why not in the place where God said we will have our own artesian well breaking out? Why? Because it's waiting for someone. It's waiting for a shadow. It's waiting for those who be in the shelter, the refuge, the shadow, the, the river in the storm, in the desert. It's waiting for you and me to take position. And not to say, we added four people to church this week. Great, all of heaven rejoices. But he is looking for the fourth group of people. The people who dare believe that a city can be transformed. Marketplace invasion. Terms and conditions apply. Because stop looking down the road. He's talking to you. A river in the desert. We read the scripture in Acts, don't we? Where the, the beggar asked Peter for some money. And his response is, silver and gold I do not have. 
But what I have, I give to you. Context. Peter was a businessman. He had a fisherman. He had a decent-sized business. It's not that he's not got a fiver in his pocket. The comment goes like this. If I give you something today, you'll only need it again tomorrow. But what I have will transform your life for eternity. What I have, I give to you. When you walk into the room, what changes? Which group? Group A, group B, group C, group D. Are you a people who's willing to believe not only for transformation, but you align yourself to him that says, it can be me. What about a shadow of a great rock? Have you ever pondered the story? And it says that, and they even laid their sick in the street, that even the shadow of Peter walking by would touch them. Who is that rock? We are talking about Christ the rock. The rock cut without human hands. Zion, he carries the rock Christ Jesus with him. The same rock that it says, and the rock followed them in the wilderness that was a constant source of water. That rock that you carry in the life. Even the shadow of what he, what he is in you, touching somebody else's life, can bring them hope. I have the ability to stand in and be a windbreak. I have the ability to store, uh, to talk to the storm. I have the ability to call on that and out of you will flow streams of living water. And why? Because when I walk in, the shadow of heaven backs me up. But you know what? Many of us live a life like Peter Pan. We've lost our shadow. Peter Pan lost his shadow and had to find how he could get it back and have it reattached to himself. But yet we carry that shadow of the backing of heaven even though you don't realize it and you don't see it. Do you know what? I'm only, what, 6'1"? I'm only, say, 6'1". But when I'm walking and the sun is shining towards me, you know my shadow can be 18 foot long. You know my shadow is always bigger, bigger than I am. But yet, each one will be. And we carry that life, that hope, that breakthrough, that change. We must learn to represent him. Amen? It says of this, And the eyes of those who will see will no longer be closed, and the ears of those who hear will listen. Fearful hearts will know and understand. We must earn the right to say the things that we say. You sat there with a miserable face, not mean this morning, but when we go outside, back in a scary world where we don't want to be. We go outside and we say, I've got the joy of the Lord and I'd like you to know about my Jesus. Keep it. Keep it. Because if you are the best item we're rolling off the production line to represent him, you can have a word with yourself on that one when you go home. As we said before, we're looking to touch the very heart of God. In Isaiah 1 and verse 17, it says this, Learn to do right. Seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, and plead the case of the widow. There are two groups of people in the Bible that God always backs. The widow and orphan. The fatherless, he will be a father too. And the widow, he will be the husband too. 
In all that, he's looking and saying, when we're looking at times of distress, when we're looking at those in need, when we're looking at different areas, caveat, God is, God is not looking for us to open a spiritual dog zone. God is not saying, open a spiritual dog's home for every waif and stray. He's saying that when you walk into a situation, bring life. It's not a time to turn around when you see somebody in distress and say, Carol, the reason you've got here is because it's your own fault. <laughs> Do you know that wonderful word of encouragement that says, there's Tony, slightly depressed, he's down, he's a bit melancholic. You know, you just need to work, uh, have a word with yourself and, uh, you know, shape yourself. Pull yourself together, sunshine. You know that's not a word of hope. You know that condemns him even more, don't you? Because he goes like this. Do you realize if I knew how to have a word with myself and how to get out of this situation, I wouldn't be in it. Because I don't choose to be miserable, to be melancholy and feel like the world's against me. We are the ones who speak the life. We are the ones who bring the hope. We are the ones who break open the artesian well. Amen. But we must choose. Will you be a Christian? Will you be a Christian with values and principles? Will you be a Christian who dares to believe the Holy Ghost for changing something? Or will we be a people that can walk into a town that has been desolate for 400 years, that is demonically led, and turn around and say, my God, we break new ground in the Holy Ghost. Christ will reign in this place. You carry a message of hope, not only a message of hope, but a demonstration of the kingdom, an invasion that takes place, that maybe, just maybe, we once make the advertiser, God forbid, that turns around and says, something's happening in Drolson. Oh my God. Each one will be. But you decide. You decide. I'll give you a couple of points. I'll just write them down or I'll explain them. I'll write them down for your own reference, how this will help you. Number one, we've already touched on it in 28 days. Find access to God, and God must find access to you. If you want to be one of these people who will cover being a shelter, a refuge, a stream in the desert, and those who carry the, the shadow of the rock, I must have access to him, and he must have access to me. Okay? Stay buoyant and filled with the Holy Ghost. If I'm not fellowshipping with him, drawing on him... I have no ability to take in what he's saying. Pat before read from Romans 8 that said, to as many who are led by the Holy Ghost are sons of God. We need to be led. Number three, stay obedient to the last word that God has spoken to us. That's personally and corporate. Have any of us even asked, question? Has anybody asked that when Pastor Tony stood up last week and said, this is the word that came to the house and he read it out, we went, yay! Has anybody asked for a copy? So that you can just pray it through and maybe partner with? Just a thought. Not done quite, no. Learn to serve the house because it's his house, not because you want a position. Well, if I grow in my gifting, it makes me look even better. No, I'm a shelter, I'm a refuge, I'm a stream. I carry the shadow for his glory because he is ruling. I have to be the one who expresses the justice. Here's a crazy one. Dare to dream 
and believe for an incredible testimony of Christ in your life. God forbid that when I say, Chris, come and share, and Chris goes, 1978, there I was, back as a lad, riding my bike, when Jesus said, the testimony that we need to carry is a daily walk of an encounters where at any moment he can break out. Dare you believe that it can be you at any time? Give yourself no more excuses. Next one. Remember the rules of repentance and practice them. It's quiet again. Be part of a team that is dedicated for corporate transformation. There are so much in what we've said this morning that we can dine out and will dine out for a while in breaking these areas down. But if you can glean nothing else from this morning, the scripture says, each one will be a shelter, a refuge, a stream in the desert, and those who carry the shadow of a great rock into the land. Because we're a people who will believe and demonstrate kingdom transformation is a reality and not a pipe dream. Kingdom transformation starting here is a reality and not a pipe dream. You know, we've been so used to seeing nothing for so long, we kind of go like that. I want to agree with you, Phil, but I don't think I can. It's all right. We'll work this one out en route. But the Holy Ghost is just sowing something. He's sowing something. If we are going to be this governmental church who he keeps telling us we are, as he rules in righteousness, we must outwork injustice. And as we outwork injustice, those in trouble, those in distress, those in debt, those in bitter of soul, all of these types of people we will walk into and they will walk into us. But what life will we bring when you walk into the room? Let's just stand to our feet. If you will, let's just raise those holy hands just for a moment. Let's just seal. Let's just seal that word with us today. Father God, we just pray right now, Lord God, that Father, at times words come like this and And it almost, Lord God, just overtakes us, that it just seems too much. It swamps us. But Lord God, I pray, Father, that you will establish this work in our spirits, that Lord God, you will start to move a hope and a faith inside us, Lord. Father, may we start with a small testimony, even today. May we start just to see you moving, changing, transforming, that Lord God, even if it's baby steps that we're taking, that Lord God, we desire to move where you are. But Lord God, I thank you for your word, that you don't have favorites, that you're not looking to a special group of people. But Lord God, you are saying that each one will be a shelter from the wind, 
a refuge from the storm, a stream in the desert. And Lord God, those who carry the shadow of the great rock in the land. Oh my God, Father, I pray that Lord God, Drollsden needs transformation. Oh Lord God, Father, we pray that my God, a people who are called by my name, who will humble themselves and pray. Then you will hear from heaven and you will come and heal their land. Lord God, I pray for no more delay. Lord God, I pray for an outbreaking of the artesian well in this house. That, Lord God, that well of governance, that well of healing, that well of breakthrough, that well of transformation, Lord God, cause it to break out this morning. Lord God, as we draw on you again, we say yes to your word. That, Lord, even though we might understand, Lord God, we pray like Mary, let it be unto us, Lord God, as you have said. Oh, my God, start to break it out. Break it out, break it out. Oh, Father, for we, we long to declare that which was said over Alma Longa, Lord God. Father, that this no longer happened and that no longer happened. Why? Because you are ruling and reigning. And that when a people are called, almost the entire population rose to your name. That, Lord God, we thank you that they said it started with four. And now they're tracking 300 cities of transformation. Lord God, let Tameside, let this city of Drollsden be number 301, Lord. Let it be 301. Oh, my God, we just want to draw on you. We say yes to you and we bless you. That, Lord God, when we walk into a room, things will change. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen.